Twenty-six children and their driver were forced off their school bus at gunpoint and buried alive for 16 hours before they managed to escape. The Chowchilla bus kidnapping in 1976 is the biggest, most brazen mass abduction in American history. The kidnappers were three rich 20-somethings who wanted some extra cash. They targeted a school bus full of kids because, as one of the men said later, we needed multiple victims to get multiple millions and we picked children because children are precious. The state of California would be willing to pay ransom for them and kids don't fight back. Our story starts in the sleepy farming town of Chowchilla, California. It was a sunny Thursday afternoon around 4 o'clock on July 15, 1976, when 26 kids from the Dairyland Elementary School climbed onto their school bus to head home after a summer field trip to the local pool. The man behind the wheel was Frank Edward Ray, a friendly, good-natured guy everyone just called Ed. As the school bus rumbled down the road, spirits were high and the noise level inside the bus was even higher. And then, in a split second, everything stopped. A van blocked the road ahead of them, and three men with pantyhose pulled down over their faces, jumped out with pistols and sawed-off shotguns. One masked man forced Ed out of the driver's seat at gunpoint. The second took his place at the wheel, and the third followed in the van. Ed was scared, but trying to keep it together and keep the kids calm. One of the survivors told 48 Hours how she remembered him yelling at them to stay in their seats and stay quiet. The gunmen were obviously on edge. The kids' lives were hanging on a hair trigger. The abduction plan was a year and a half in the making. The ringleader, 24-year-old Fred Woods, and his friends, brothers James and Richard Schoenfeld, 24 and 22 years old, thought they had come up with the perfect heist. But it all depended on making sure the kids behaved and their driver didn't try to be a hero. They steered the bus into a dry riverbed outside of town and hid it in some overgrown bamboo. A second van was parked there, ready and waiting. The first van parked inches away from the open bus door. One by one, the kids were ordered to jump from the bus into the back of the van. If they touched the ground, there'd be consequences. Their captors didn't want to leave any footprints, you see. Just hours after the bus was hijacked, it was spotted from a sheriff's plane. By sunset, dozens of FBI agents and state officials were on the scene, scouring the bus for clues about where they might be. Not even the hostages knew where they were. It seemed like they'd been driving forever. In actuality, they were at a rock quarry in Livermore. Fred's father owned it, and his son had the keys. For months, the three men had been digging a tomb deep enough to fit an old moving truck. Inside were some mattresses, flashlights, jugs of water, and a few snacks like peanut butter and bread. And they built boxes over two wheel wells and cut a hole through the top of them for makeshift toilets. In the roof was a teeny trap door with a long ladder sticking up out of the earth. Ed Ray was the first one forced down the ladder. When all 27 captives were in the truck, the men hoisted a manhole cover over the escape hatch. Inside, in the blackness of the truck, they could hear the sounds of the earth piling up on top of them, burying them alive. Topside, Fred, Richard, and James were congratulating each other on their success. Time to move on to phase three, the ransom demand. $5 million from the state of California, but their perfect plan was about to fall apart. They couldn't reach the police. The phone lines were jammed by anxious family members calling for updates. So, the guys decided to kick back and take a nap. And as they slept, their hostages formulated a plan of their own. As the only adult, Ed Ray was obviously in charge. 
The first thing he did was enlist the help of the oldest boy, 14-year-old Mike Marshall. Together, they searched the truck inch by inch, trying to get their bearings. And by this time, the ordeal was coming up on 13 hours, so he insisted they all lay down and rest. They would need every ounce of energy for whatever was coming next. And it proved to be terrifying. The old moving truck wasn't built to withstand the weight of all that earth. And little by little, the roof started caving in. The walls began to crumble. The food and water ran out. And the ventilator fan switched off. There was no time to wait and see. All the kids, some of them as young as five, pitched in to help Ed and Mike stack the mattresses on top of each other so they could reach the escape hatch. And finally, a teeny movement, enough to get a piece of wood wedged into the hatch, just enough to leave a small opening. Too tight for Ed, but big enough for Mike to wiggle through. He dug and dug, tunneling through the sand and gravel until he felt sunlight. Miraculously, he made it out. One by one, the kids were pulled to freedom. They found a security guard who called the police. A few hours later, they were on a greyhound headed back to Chowchilla and their parents' arms. And when the three criminals woke up from their nap, they tuned into the nightly news just in time to learn that their plan had spectacularly failed. Eight days later, Richard turned himself in in Oakland. They got his brother in Menlo Park six days after that. And Fred made it all the way to Vancouver, Canada before they caught him at the end of July. The men refused to plead guilty to the charge of bodily harm, the one charge that would give them life without parole. After all, they reasoned the kids weren't hurt, just a few bruises and scrapes. But prosecutors made sure to remind the jury about the kids' nightmares and panic attacks. And sure enough, the horrific nature of what they'd done sent them to jail for life without parole. And for the survivors, it was over. Time to start rebuilding. The state sponsored a trip to Disneyland for the whole group, hoping it might help. It didn't. Well, not for everyone. Many of them developed debilitating anxiety disorders and depressions. Others fell into a bottle or drugs. Mike, the boy who helped save 26 people, became a heavy-drinking rodeo cowboy. Now today, he's a sober, long-distance trucker with kids of his own. Ed Ray died in 2012 at the age of 91. He will always be remembered as the heroic bus driver who kept his cool and saved himself and 26 children from certain death. And as for their kidnappers, well, a few years after the prison doors slammed shut, they won appeals to have the charges of bodily harm dropped since the kids were physically unhurt. That meant they were eligible for parole. And in 2012, Richard was released. In 2015, his brother followed him out, and in April 2022, the mastermind, Fred Wood, was approved for parole. This story isn't about justice and whether or not those three men learned their lessons. It's a story about the power of resilience and hope. Despite being taken captive and held in a terrifying situation, Ed Ray and the children on that bus never gave up. They worked together to find a way out and ultimately succeeded. Their courage is an inspiration to us. I sure hope it is for you, too. And that's your recap. Thanks for hanging out with us today. If you like getting all the crime in half the time, go ahead and tap that subscribe button so you never miss a story. But don't go away. Catch up on more recaps right here, right now. Until next time, take care.